morning, Mr. Collins. <laughs> nice. Hi, guys. If you'll take your seat, please, Bobby. Jeez. Once Mr. Ming decides to sit down, we can get started here. Yeah, well. And we'll deal with you later, too. See, that's why, that's why I've separated you guys. That's why Bobby's not sitting with you. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, we might as well thank God. Jesus, we thank you and praise you for this place. We thank you for being able to gather here and uh, receive from you those things that you have for us. God, in this morning, our earnest expectation, God, is that you will bring those things to us. And, that, and that what we pray is that you would uh, give us ears to hear the, the things that you're saying. Lord God, we pray that you would minister your word to us. Uh, God, is exactly what we need. God, we just want to uh, worship you this morning. We, we thank you for your goodness to us. God, you have blessed us immensely. And we appreciate it. And we just glorify your name. Amen and amen. So go with me to James chapter 4. Uh, James 4. I always remember the old song, Peter, James, and John in the sailboat. But, but, but in this case, it's James and Peter and John in the sailboat. So, you know, guys uh, talk to us a lot about uh, the importance of obedience and and about um, the uh, the things that, that God expects from us versus the things that we should expect from Him. And uh, I think the Book of James is a really interesting book. Uh, I remember the first time I, I read James, I was kind of scratching my head by the end of it because it seemed like he was contradicting everything that Paul said, and uh, you know, and obviously he's not. But uh, it's it's really interesting. I was talking with somebody this week about the difference between where, where do I pull up my bootstraps and do this thing versus God getting done what God gets done. And uh, um, so the thing that we understand is that we have, God gives us power. You know, in John it says that that, uh, um, uh, that he gave us power to become the sons of God. And uh, so there are those things that, that we do. And there's those things that we don't. Uh, so here in James 4, let's see. May as well start in one. Why not? Uh, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? 
so so we find this this conflict that happens in us and uh you know and I, and I think you could take this about you know uh perhaps conflict with other people but to me what this seems to be talking about primarily is is a conflict in yourself and and if you've ever really 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 wanted to do something and knew that you really really shouldn't or or perhaps God told you no then you know exactly what I'm talking about it's like uh like the well-trained dog that you tell him to stay and then you put a you put a stake in front of him just out of reach and tell him stay and you can just see him quivering you know we uh I think we all have those those things in our life so he says, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not from thence, even from the lusts that war in your members, those desires, the, the things that, that, we, that we want. He says, you lust and you have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. And, uh, and I don't know about you, but sometimes um, if somebody would just ask you for something, it's way... Way preferable to just kind of sneaking around and getting it. I'm thinking of children especially. Like, well, I would have told you yes if you would have just asked. You know, what made you think that I would tell you no? And so, you know, the thing about God is he's a great father. And so he knows that he knows more than you know. He knows better than you know. And I take a great deal of comfort in that because if we ask for something and he tells us no, and that's okay. He he knows better. He knows he has a good reason for it. Uh, I, you know, I know sometimes as a parent, it's easy to tell your kids no on something because it's inconvenient for you and uh, guilty. But you know, the thing is, is uh, if your children want something that you know is not particularly good for them, then you're telling them no. Because you know it's not good for them, you know, And uh, I had all three of my children clamoring for a television in their room, and I couldn't imagine why would we need more than one in the house. Uh, that that seems like plenty to me. Um, and uh, you know, so I finally gave in. I let Jeremy get buy a TV for a dollar at the garage sale. It didn't work. And uh, I I felt bad for him, but. I was kind of doing a little happy dance too, so you know. So, so, but asking goes a really long ways, you know, because if we we can we can ask God about the stuff that we want, ask God about the things that we deal with, and um, and that's a, a really great thing. But here in verse three, he talks, he answers this issue of. Well, but I, I I asked for it and I didn't get it. He says, you ask and you receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it on your lusts. You know, it's like, God, I've been really, you know, I've been doing really good. I was just kind of hoping for a you know, 2017 Camaro, you know. I mean, I don't see why not. I need a car of some sort, don't I? You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. You know, but... Um, there are uh, there are these things that um, that we we wrestle with, and 
and sometimes we our our motivation is is the wrong thing. The the reason that we want this thing is is not good, and that's is sometimes the reason that that God knows better. Uh, uh, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. So. I think, by and large, the church has forgotten about this verse, um, because the the church has striven to look like the world, has tried to be like the world. Um, I mean, you can uh, you can look through a big like catalog of, of contemporary Christian music, and there's some good stuff in there, but. In general, it's like it's like going to the the store and looking through the the uh, the knockoff colognes. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, it's like if you love gangster rap, you're gonna love this guy, you know. Right. And and it's the it's it kind of reminds me of that. It's like if you really like screamo, then you should listen to these guys, and you'll feel better about yourself because it's Christian, right? And so. You know, and I've told you this before. When I lived in Baldwin, we used to get these flyers from this church in Lawrence that advertises themselves as church for people that hate church. And they're they're they they go on and on about how the the worship service is like a rock concert, and they've got smoke and lights and ultra talented musicians, and and um, it's like they they want to look like the world so that people will come. And then they, and then for those, you know, there are people that come because that sounds fun, and and they've accomplished what they wanted. But there are people that that go looking for God, and then they don't find Him, and they they find this this emptiness, and and they go away more more jaded than they were before. So we find sometimes these things in our life, these these desires of, of things that we want to hang on to, these things that come from the world that uh, we kind of hope, well, maybe I could just hang on to this, you know, and, and we've all, we've all, I think, wrestled with or, or, or seen people wrestle with, you know, living with one foot in the church and one foot in the world, and, and you really can't. And that's what he says here. He, he draws it, that line black and white, that friendship with the world is enmity with God. So he says, do you think the scripture says in vain that the spirit that dwells in us lusts to envy or lusts enviously? So, uh, but he gives more grace. Wherefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You know, and I think one of the most interesting um, things about um, pride is denial. Because if you're proud, then you can't. Yet, then you, you've got to deny uh, anything that would make you look weak or defective or uh, or less than. And so it it works well with religion. The difference, you know, of course, between religion and and, and true God, the sense of well, you know, everything's everything's good with me. You know, it's like the the publican. Uh, and the and the guy that the guy that goes to the the temple, mm-hmm. and he listens to the 
to the one guy, the Pharisee, and he's all so so pleased with how well he's doing and, and how God surely must be pleased with him and and he's, you know, looking down his nose at the at the guy sitting in the back. You know, the guy that drives the beer truck and, and his kid got sent to the office this week or whatever. And he's like, I'm sure I'm glad I'm not like that guy. You know, and that guy had humility. And and he and he he understood that he needed God and that he wasn't worthy of the favor and the love of God. And so but and so here God says he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. There, there's nothing like being, you know, uh snubbed to damage your pride. You know, and, and uh so God God's so wise the way he does these things. I like this little passage here. He he kind of throws out these several little things here, rapid fire. Uh, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So, you know, obviously, if you're uh, wrestling with some desire that's uh, not good for you, then submitting yourself to God is a really great idea, and, and surrendering that thing to Him. And, and it could be anything. It could be, I want to do this. It could be, I don't want to do this. Uh, it could be any number of things like that. Uh, and the interesting thing about this, this I, about to me, about him saying, resist the devil and he'll flee from you, with him putting it right here, is, is of course, we have this adversary. And there's, there's nothing like... Um, Having a problem and then having another problem dumped on top of it that makes the first problem worse. We all love that. I know I do. And uh, I mean, you ever have one of those days where something you get blindsided with some issue, and while you're dealing with it, here comes another issue, and here comes another issue, and before long, you just kind of want to go slam your head in the car door, and because <laughs> it would hurt less. And uh, but. So we, so we have this this flesh then that wants to. It wants things, and and it, it has these demands. It's it's like having a. It's like having a really loud, large three-year-old that that wants its way, and and it's going to harangue you till it gets it. And uh, so. So your three-year-old finds something that it wants, and and your your spirit man, you're you're telling it no, no, this is a bad idea. We're not we're not going to do that. You can't have that. No, and nothing upsets the three-year-old more than no. <laughs> like how dare you tell me no? And uh, but then we have this adversary that he wants to come in and pour it on. It's like oh, but surely, surely. This would be a great idea, and he's got all these explanations for why this would be a good idea. It's like uh, it's like you know the teenager who's ready to leave the party and get home on time, and his friends are like, "Oh, you don't need to leave now. You should hang out. Your parents will be in bed anyway. Who cares?" And uh, so, so then you have this resistance that happens. It's like, well, no, actually. I'm going to tell you no too, 
and and, and we're not going to we're not going to go that direction. So so this then is something that we would be doing. You know, and the uh and this is not precisely the same thing as our salvation and I think that's where a lot of people get really hung up because nothing that you could possibly do could ever merit your salvation. And so when you come to the pearly gates, they will only swing open because of the blood of Jesus and nothing else. But between here and there, God has an expectation of us working with Him. And and it doesn't earn you His favor. It doesn't earn you His love. He loves you no matter what. But there comes this place where you have to make choices about what you're going to do. You know, and and he and he said, if you love me, uh, keep my commandments. So, um, you know, I've been married almost uh, 19 years, and I have learned that in that time, uh, most of the time, that uh, if I love her, I'll keep her saying. Not maybe I wouldn't use the word commandments necessarily, but. And I say most of the time because sometimes it's really, really fun <laughs> to pick on her and get on her nerves a little bit, you know, because as cliche as it sounds, she's really cute when she gets irritated, but, you know, now, you know, take, you know, proceed at your own risk, but <laughs> I'm not advocating this for any of you. I just like to live dangerously sometimes. Um, so, God, on the other hand, is not so cute when he's irritated. So, we don't want to do that. We don't want to. We we don't want to drag him back through what all of this stuff because he's already paid for it, and we don't want to heap more on to. Well, I mean, he's already paid for it. I get that. But we don't want to add to it on purpose. And see, that's the thing. And when you when you read through the through the Old Testament, through the law, God talked about sins of ignorance, and He talked about these sins that were on purpose, and He, and he talked about them somewhat differently. And uh, in in either case, you you know you still needed to get it squared away and taken care of. But God understands if you do something on purpose or not. And uh, and that's another one of those tricky, proud things because we we like to think that we can we well because we can fool people around us sometimes, and so it's like well I could do you know X Y and Z because you know they won't know, and uh, but the the interesting thing is is that God always knows, and of course you all know that but it helps to have that reminder that He's watching you, but. Um, so, so he's talking about these choices then, um, because uh, submission—you can be forced into submission, but you still have to make the decision to submit. Um, you know, when uh, I watched the Christmas story with the kids this week, love that movie, and um, you know, there's this bully that keeps catching the kids in the alley and. And he always puts their arm up behind their back and makes them say uncle. And so, 
you know, he's forcing them into submission. They don't have to, but he could really seriously hurt them if he if they don't just say uncle. And uh, so, so submission then is is a choice that we have to make. And uh, you know, the interesting thing about submission is typically it's something you didn't really want to do in the first place. Like, okay. But it almost always turns out really good for you. You know, especially if God is asking to, to submit on an issue, it always turns out so good. Um, so resisting the devil then, it also takes a choice. Because with those, those blandishments to do these, these uh, things that are against the word of God, there comes this sense of it would be so much easier to not fight this this push and this temptation and this this draw to do this stuff and and our flesh is like this enemy in the gates that 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 uh, it's like having a soldier who who's got the other uniform on and he's just waiting for the right moment to take it off and and uh and switch teams so again it takes a choice and then verse 8 says draw near to God and he'll draw near to you again takes a choice because God's not going to hogtie you and drag you to the prayer closet. And uh, But he's so glad when you show up. And, you know, the interesting thing is, is between, between the knowledge of good and evil and between this adversary of the soul, we, we come to prayer sometimes feeling like damage control. You know what I mean? Like you, you feel like it's like, well, I'm here. You know, you feel like the the uh, uh, the misbehaving husband that needs to bring flowers home or something. It's like, uh, damn, I, I'm sure he'd be happy to see me if I was had been here yesterday and the day before and the day before, but I, I wasn't. So he's probably not going to be too happy when I finally show up. He's going to be thinking, about time you got here. You know, it's like, well, you know, actually, I do have other things to do, so let's make this short. You know, but he's not like that, you know, not at all. And uh, but we have this sense of um, we know that we can draw near to him, but we have to make that choice to do those things. And and it places value on the relationship. It places value on on him. And that's what all these choices do. It puts the value there, because if you value something, if it's worth anything, then it's worth some effort. And, um, you know, I, something that I had to learn the hard way as I got older. When I was a kid, I didn't have to do anything. My parents kind of were of the idea of, oh, if you don't want to, you don't have to. That's fine. And so it just kind of kept going that way. So then, you know, we go. I'm in high school and I'm starting to think about going to college. What am I going to do with my life and all this stuff? Like, oh, well, if you don't want to, you know, you do whatever you want to do. No, no input whatsoever. And uh, uh, the only real input I got was my, my dad told me that he wanted me to have a job where I sat behind the desk and told people like him what to do. Ta-da. But... <laughs> Actually, I sit behind the desk and Mike tells them what to do. And I just nod along. Yep. Yep, that. What he said, go to it, team. 
So, um, <laughs> but so there was this sense of I mean I, I I didn't do chores. If I didn't I didn't even have to try stuff that I didn't want to try. If I didn't want to do it, I just didn't do it. And um, I can tell you that it's a really bad way to grow up because then you get older and the world forces you to do things like life I should say forces you to do things you just don't want to um, and uh, so one of my first jobs outside of or after high school you could make your own schedule you could come and go as you pleased and no one cared that is a terrible job for an 18 year old with a girlfriend to have it's like man I really don't want to be here I'm just going to leave, you know, whatever. And uh, it always hurt come payday. But uh, there was this sense of, it's a beautiful day out. Why am I in here? Why am I stuck here doing this? When I, this would be a great day to play hooky. But life teaches you that, well, there's more to life than just doing what you want to do. Sometimes we do the things we have to do. And, and when we do those things first... Life works a lot better. But but drawing near to God then uh, is a choice that we make, but, but he's given us promise with it that if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. And uh, our society has conditioned us to uh, expect everything to happen immediately. We, we, we've become so impatient that we, we have the little Amazon Dash buttons on, on the stuff at home because I don't have time to get on my phone and order it. Like I just need, I just want to push a button and it shows up. And uh, God's not like that. And relationships aren't like that. And uh, I mean, I, I I pretty much just came in and swept Cynthia off of her feet immediately. But um, you know, there's a lot of power in the word "hey." But. <laughs> It's all in how you say it. And if you want lessons, we can talk about that later. But and, if, and ladies, if you think it doesn't work, you're wrong. It does. But get indignant if you want. It works. Uh, anyway, all that aside, uh, he says, <laughs> he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So he's grouped this in with a whole bunch of stuff that God's talking about. This is something for you to do. And I don't know about you, but I, I even if it's something I don't particularly like, I kind of like having a list of stuff to do versus this just kind of fuzzy, ethereal nothing. And and so I think it's really nice that God, he, he understands that we need something to go on because Adam and Eve had nothing to go on and they came up with all kinds of wrong conclusions. So so he gives us this these these uh commandments and he said but he says cleanse your hands you sinners and purify your hearts. So he he says that like it's something that you could do. And in but he's grouped it in with all of these other things that all have to do with choice. So he's talking about making choices. So Go with me over to Galatians 5. 
So, so we make these choices then based on the Word of God. And so, so we have this, this thought of, hey, this would be a really great idea. What does the Word of God say? Well, the Word of God says this would be a really bad idea. So then we toss that. Like, okay, so maybe we don't do that then. Um, but he... So he talks about... He was talking there in James about wrestling with these desires that, that we have. Um, and I'm just going to start in one here in Galatians 5, and I'll just buzz down through here. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Because Paul has just spent four chapters explaining to them that salvation is not merited by your works. It's not merited by your actions. And so, and so he says, you know, you don't want to be entangled again with this yoke of bondage because the, the Jews felt like, well, if I keep these commandments, I'm good. You know, and in, in uh, Deuteronomy, he even says that, and it should be our righteousness we, uh, when we uh, obey the commandments. And that's true, but it's not, it's still not salvation because right actions don't constitute you being worthy of going to heaven. You, you've got to have the blood. On the same token, you've got to have the right actions. God, uh, because God is a good father and he'll work with you. And when, when talk about my kids some more, when you have, your, your, when your kids are not listening, when they're not behaving the way that you've trained them to, you have to teach them to make better decisions. You have to train them to make better decisions. And and you can see in our society how teaching kids how to make better decisions has become something that's that's taboo. And uh, you know, I, I can't imagine. You know, Cynthia tells me these stories about when she goes to the school, and of course, you know, we've got people that work at the schools, and I just think, man, what what do these teachers do? You know, how would you even deal with some of this stuff? And, you know, when I was a kid, I had, there were troublemaker kids in school. There were kids that had serious problems, um, that their home life messed them up and all that kind of stuff. But there was still this sense of the, the fear of authority, the fear of discipline that would keep you in line. I, I was irrationally terrified of getting in trouble at school. And so I, I always followed the rules to a T because... I didn't know what would happen, and I didn't want to know. So, but so he's talking here about not getting tangled up in this yoke of bondage, this bondage of thinking that my actions merit me favor with God. So he says, Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you be circumcised, then Christ shall profit you nothing. If you keep the law, if that's, if that's going to be your righteousness, then, then Christ is not going to profit you anything. For I testify again to every man that circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. And Christ has become of no effect to you, whosoever are justified by the law, you're fallen from grace. For we, the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. So, so that's interesting because he's talking about a righteousness that comes by faith, that comes from him, and that it's a spirit thing. And, you know, we, we've been talking about the, the, the outside man and the inside man. 
and uh, I, I loved that visual of having of seeing the inside man starting starting out as big as Cassia and then turning into Ethan Ricely. <laughs> Like, that is a big hulking inside man. And, <laughs> and, and, and that's what we want. And, that, and, and we get there by drawing near to God and, and, and obeying the things that he wants us to do. Because you can, uh, when, when, you, when you obey God, you give him more room to do things in your life. You give him more opportunity to do things in you. And... Uh, you uh you can't really grow if you don't so so he says here uh in verse 6 for in Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ neither circumcision nor or avails anything nor uncircumcision but faith which works by love you did run well who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth for this persuasion comes not of him that calls you he's saying how did you get all tangled up in thinking that your your behavior was your your road to heaven and he said that uh, that that kind of thinking, that uh, that persuasion, that doesn't come from God. He says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. So so we can't afford to let that kind of thinking in because it it's it spreads. So he says, I have confidence in you through the Lord that you'll be none otherwise minded, but he that troubles you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. And so he's saying otherwise minded, as in that you're you're going to be like I'm confident that you're going to be thinking about these things and understanding these things and living these things the way that I taught you in the first place, and in the the, the way that God has has brought it forth. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. I would they were even cut off, which trouble you. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. So, so this is another one of those those things that is an easy place to get in a slippery slide when you you have this this warring in your members when you have your 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 inside or your outside three year old is wanting something that that your inside spirit man knows is is not good. And it's like, well, but we have liberty. So, you know, Paul said all things are lawful for me. Like, well, okay. But you don't want to use that liberty as an occasion to the flesh. Like, well, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to indulge my flesh because all things are lawful for me. Uh, because Paul went on to say that, yes, all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. Not all things edify. And so there are some things that we... We just we stay away from because we don't want to be brought under the power of them, and, and you know that's an, the interesting thing about uh, about giving in to those desires of the flesh and those those temptations and things that that come our way is the more you give in to them, the the more you become a slave to it, and and the more difficult it is to say no next time, the more difficult it is to get out of it uh, as you move on. And and so so God gives us choices then because you know the 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 saying no to those things and saying yes to Him places that value there. So He says all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed of one another. And see, that's another thing about this, this liberty being engaged into the flesh. And, and he ties it in with serving, uh, serving one another. Because you, know, you, can, uh, you can be totally at liberty and, and at peace about doing something and, and, and know that you have liberty with God to do it. But you know, but you know that your brother uh, is not okay with that, and that, that to him that's something that that is uh, that that God would judge that, and and that, that, they, that they in good conscience couldn't do that, and and so and so he says, "We well, should love your neighbor as yourself." Then, so don't put that on him, that you know, because uh, you know sometimes we we take that liberty as a look how advanced I am, you know, look how mature I am that I, I can do this thing. And, and, and it's almost as if you're challenging them to accept it as being okay. And, and that's exactly the kind of stuff that he's, he's saying we shouldn't do. So he says, but if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. Ouch. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So he's giving us this key then. Like so, how do I make this? You know, so I make this choice then, but then what? He says, "Walk in the Spirit." So, so we, how do we do that? Well, we draw near to God. So he says, "Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would." But if you be led by the Spirit, then you are not under the law. And let's see. And so, you know, and he goes down through all these things, and he lists these works of the flesh and he, the fruits of the Spirit. And uh, and you guys are all familiar with that, of course. Um, and, and here in verse 24, he says, "And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lusts. So if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit." So, so what did he say in Romans eight? He said that um, said that you're not in the spirit, or that you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be the spirit of God dwells in you. So you have that opportunity to walk in the spirit by having it live inside you. But there there is a a choice that we have to make, lots of choices that we have to make daily that that puts him first, that places the value on on that relationship and um, is not something that merits salvation, but the Bible says that the way of a transgressor is hard. So you can you can walk with God and bullheadedly push your way through these things, keep giving your flesh what it wants, but eventually it will so cripple your walk with God and and you will you will have suffered so many things that either you'll be you'll come out of it really wise or you'll come out of it not serving God at all. Yeah. You know, because you know somebody somebody asked recently, it's like, hey, so talk to me about how you can kind of expedite this process of, of fearing God. And I turned to Cynthia and I was like, well, just screw a lot of stuff up. You'll learn to fear God. <laughs> because because he will he will teach you to 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 fear him, which is is a, a great great idea. Um, you know, I, uh, I I I taught my children to uh, to fear 
the consequences of, of displeasing me, of breaking my rules and things like that. And and it brought peace to my house. You know, I remember when one of my children used to throw these screaming, screaming fits. I got on the phone with them and, and I told them, you don't want me to come home, but I will come home. And eventually I had to come home. And I'll be darned if after that, that problem went away entirely. So... The thing is, is um, I squirm in my seat at the idea of, of God having to deal with me like that. But I also know that that if I if I forced him to, to go to that place with me, then I know that he knows how to so thoroughly fix the issue that, that I don't want to go that way again. You know, you touch a hot stove, typically you're only going to do that once on purpose. You know, I when I uh, worked at the box factory when I was a kid, there I was standing by this conveyor belt thing that it had these little metal rollers and it had a, a belt looked like a like an alternator belt running underneath it that that pulled the, that made them spin. Machine was turned off at the moment, but this this thing was still going and and it just I don't know something about just kind of running letting it just spin underneath my finger seemed like a really good idea. And uh, I know, right? It's 19 years old. I mean, you'd think I would have been smarter than that. But uh, I pushed down on it a little too hard, and so it just pulled my finger right underneath it. And uh, there was really no room for something as large as a finger underneath it. And so I I, I jerked it out, and and uh, I mean, the back of my finger was had like this big friction burn on it, and it just was <laughs> started swelling up, and I was just... I thought, okay, I'll, I'll be all right. I can do this. And uh, eventually they had a little button on there that you could hit and tell the guy at the other end of the machine, it's like, hey, I need to stop. <laughs> Just because he turned it back on. Right about the time he turned it back on, I was like, no, I can't do this. Uh. But do you think that I ever, ever, ever did that again? No. No, I did not. And and that wasn't even, that wasn't even got, you know, that wasn't even a correction. That was a consequence of stupidity. And so there, and there's lots of times in life that we think, oh, it's like I don't, Mark Rutland has this great, this great, great book, um, uh, God of the Valleys, I think it is, or maybe it was Streams of Mercy. But he talks about how we we think that we're under satanic attack because my life is not going well. It's like God, I was like I've got all this. It's like I need prayer. This, all this stuff is happening in my life, and it's terrible. And he's like, you're not under an attack from the enemy. You're under a stupid attack. And he's like, he's like, so look at yourself in the mirror, put your hands up beside your head, and go hee haw, and and it's like, yeah, I mean, and I read that, and I just reread it and reread it, and I thought, wow. So, you know, it's like I I could have asked for prayer because I hurt my finger. It was like, well, actually, I kind of did it to myself. So, you know, um. So God knows how to to get us where we're going safely in one piece with all of our phalanges, and um, but but we the the part that we play is uh, is making choices. We work with Him, and if uh, there's nothing like having a team where somebody is not doing anything, they're just kind of there, and then you kind of have to carry them along. 
God doesn't mind carrying you along for a while, but He does expect for us to make choices and work with Him. And so that's the thing that we do. Jesus, we thank You for Your Word to us, uh, for Your great faithfulness. Uh, and all the the things that You do to teach us and to train us and to, to grow us up, Lord God. God, uh, You know each one of us uh, intimately. God, You know the, the very hairs of our head. God, You know... The, the life experiences that we've had, God, and the, the holes that that they may have left and the, the things that we need to, to live life successfully. God, but you're a good father, and you know how to bring us to the place where we uh, get those things, those holes filled in, God, where we learn to make those, those choices where we work with you. God, and I don't believe anyone here doesn't want to work with you, Lord Jesus. What I pray is that you would uh, prosper our journey, God, as we draw near to you. Lord God, that you would prosper our journey as we feed the inside man and as it grows and uh, and becomes that, that driving force in our life, God, over the the things of the flesh, God, over those those desires. God, that we would walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. God, we pray it in your name. Now, God, today in this place, meet every need. God, you are the the, the God that knows knows every need. You're the, the source uh, that, that meets them. And God, what we want is to receive from you exactly what you have for us. God, if, if we've come in this place with no expectation of, of what we want or what we need from you today, God, you know what it is that we need. God, and you could remind us. God, you can uh, fill us up with a sense of expectation. God, of wanting something from you. We've not just come here because it's Sunday morning, God. We've come because we we need something from you. And so, God, today, God, we we want it to rain, and we want to fill every vessel, God, as only you could do in this place. God, but we want to make those choices this morning, God, to to reach out to you, God, to uh, to receive those things from you, Lord God. Uh, if we if we stand off to the side with our arms crossed, we're not likely to receive anything from you today, God. But that if we if we get out there where where it's raining, God, where your spirit is doing those things, God, and, and reach for you, Lord God, we have every expectation of receiving what you have for us today. In your name, we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen.